Hey, and welcome to the Banter with Elise Pirelli podcast, where I discuss all things health, self, and everything in between. My name is Elise Pirelli, and I'm a competitive snowboarder turned fat loss and lifestyle coach. This is the podcast for millennial women who are struggling to live that balanced life, body, and mind. I'm so excited you're here. Now let's get into the episode. Okay, we are here. Episode one, Banter with Elise Pirelli. We have Jess here, of course. Hello. And... My gosh, we have been trying to do this. This is our third time trying to record episode one. The first time just was a weird vibe, just Mm -hmm. not very good vibe. I was like just so dead to the world. Then we tried doing it last week, literally a week ago, and I was freaking bawling. (laughs) And I was like, there's no way we can start this podcast with my bitch ass fucking just crying. That's not a great way to be presented to the world. So (laughs) here we are, third try, July 19th, 2.38 p.m., Mm -hmm. and we are now podcasting. Mm -hmm. Here we are. Although last week, even though we didn't record this episode, there was still, you know, a lot of good talk that went on, and I think it was really helpful Regardless of it not being the best vibe or whatever you want to call it, it was real life and it was still productive in different ways. But I'm just glad that we now get to kind of have talk revitalized about it. energy yeah. because yeah, yeah. last week is, is better. <laughs> last week we were talking about too, it was like some new moon shit going on and just the energy was funky and it was really just life. Life was crazy. Life's been really crazy right. over this past week for sure. But we're good. Yeah. In a lot of ways, we're and thankful. It's, it's a friendly reminder, though, like reflecting on when we tried doing it last week, just how quickly things can change in a week. Mm-hmm. Literally. Just so <laughs> quick. And, and it really goes back to the mindset, which is insane. But so for this episode, I really just want people to get to know us mm-hmm. and just how we became friends and who we are, who you are. I feel like people kind of know me a little (laughs) bit. Just, I mean, it has my name on the podcast, but at the same time, it's like I've been, you know, doing fitness nutrition coaching for a while. Um, So, yeah, I'm excited to just chat, I guess. Mm -hmm. And let's hear about you. Reminisce about this past basically year. Yeah, 2022 so far. Do you want to tell the story of how we met? Sure. Yeah. So it all started in. April of 2021. Yeah, April of last year. Mm-hmm. So at that moment in time, I was married uh, to my husband. I was living here in Monte Vista. Elise was with Chase. Mm-hmm. And of course, COVID puppies were a thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that was a total thing. So we both had gotten puppies. Elise had Rogue. I had Presley. Where I live, it overlooks the courtyard where a lot of people bring the dogs. And so it kind of all started with them playing. We had like a whole group of people that had puppies and like they pretty much like set up dates for them just to get out all of their energy here. And we had the Monta Vista dog moms text, text (laughs) which I freaking hated that text group because I'd be like, I'm going to take Rogue out and nobody would respond. And I'm like, fuck you guys. (laughs) Right? Like, come (laughs) on, I need this dog to get energy out. But yeah, so it all started... 
by that. And then, you know, you, you weren't really too open about like your job, like you weren't trying to like sell yourself or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. I just as we got to know each other, I learned that Elise had her own business for women, for fitness and nutrition. And for myself, it's something I've struggled with just kind of having that balance. I never really gained too much weight. I've been very lucky with kind of like where I've stayed, but Mm -hmm. I've never really made the progress I've always wanted to. And so that also is when I started my fitness journey with her. I think in June was when I started Mm -hmm. and I'm still with her now. Um, And yeah, so that's initially how we met. So it's just crazy to look at the dynamic of where our lives were at. Um, Right. And it kind of was just focused on the dogs. Like we really didn't hang out outside of it. Mm -mm. It was literally just like dog dates and Mm -hmm. that was it. I think we'd maybe take them to like the dog park. Yeah. But not really like we weren't like going out and like hanging out, I think. Yeah, no, not at all. Which is crazy. It's not like we didn't want to. It's just yeah. it just didn't happen. Yeah, well, because too, you know, looking back to April of last year, one, it's insane to think about that because I got Rogue in January. So Rogue was only really four months old at that point. Little baby. And, you know, I was in my relationship not recognizing how codependent I was too. So mm-hmm. that was a large part as to why I never really hung out with people in general. Right. No, literally. Um, And so, again, like, now where we're at, you know, just a little over a year later, and one, you're still at the program, which is amazing and crushing it. (laughs) I try. Better friends than ever, I would say, for sure. And we're both single. Like. Yep. What the fuck? Like, again, it's, you know, how much can change in just one week, but also in a year, you know? It's like, I didn't start this year thinking that I would be single in July. No. I mean, you You got out of an engagement. Not only were you in a relationship, but you were engaged. Yeah. So that's – and I was married. So two big, you know, steps in a relationship that isn't easy to walk away from, but – Right. Well, and I think, too, that's why this podcast is so important now, for me at least, because it's finally my opportunity to share my story. Mm Mm-hmm. And just going back to the fact that, like, this is the longest amount of time I've been single since I was in my teens, you know? Like, I started dating my first ex um, when I was 20 years old, from 20 to 26, and he's who I moved to San Diego with. And then – Disclaimer, you – your age now, just so, like, people can put like, – Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm 30, going to be 31 in a month, and you're going to be – For the same. one in yeah, less so than a month as well. Yeah, so when this airs, it's going to be my 31st birthday, and we're only 20 days apart. Mm-hmm. So your – mine's August 7th. Yours is August 27th. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, 10 years of my life have been in relationships. And so it's, like, getting into this new chapter of – who am I? What is life? What is single life? You know, because again, I think we put as women just so much of our time and energy into our partner. And so I think I've kind of talked to you about this, you know, before where it's like when I was going through the separation with my ex, you know, it was just like, how the hell did I get to this place in my life? Like I woke up and was like, what? I have a business, what? I have clients to take care of. What, I have a dog, which I never wanted a dog for (laughs) three years until, of course, COVID. And so it's just how much can change. And so, again, it's like even just these past six months of 
up and down roller coasters. Oh my gosh, yeah. And really that's kind of what got our friendship even stronger was just you being there for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think, you know, too, one, I didn't really have very many girlfriends when I was going through the separation. And two, like, it was so traumatic for me. I didn't even recognize it. Like, remember, I was going crazy on my stories. Mm-hmm. Going batshit crazy on my stories, literally in a psychosis, like not really thinking anything of it. No, I mean, you couldn't. You like your brain was completely shut off from reality. Yeah. Well, again, I think it's important to just like who I was then was such a different person. Like you're not really challenged to grow until you go through something traumatic like that Mm -hmm. you know and again going back to I had I had my first relationship from 20 to 26 I was only single for three months and then I jumped in a relationship with my ex which was four years in an engagement and you know when we started to like separate though it's crazy to think about who I was at a person that as a person then because you know I was drinking like three to four times a week, me and him were drinking that much, um, was addicted to the nicotine vape pens, was smoking weed pretty consistently too. And it's just crazy how like we get so out of alignment when we're in different partnerships like that, or at least I did. And I don't know, I probably might still be doing the same thing had I not, had we not separated. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when you're in a relationship too, and just talking about those things that you did, you know, when you're under the influence of anything, Mm -hmm. it changes a connection, you know, but it's like, is that your authentic self? No, it's not. So when you take those things away, that's when you're like, oh shit. Right. What is this? Who are you? Who am I? Yeah. (laughs) And while the craziest part about it is for a couple of probably a month before we actually separated, I think just the toxicity had gotten so bad. One, obviously, I wasn't fueling my body properly, which, of course, with I mean, I was still working out, though. So it was mm-hmm. like, you would never know. Like, I was still eating pretty healthy. I was still working out, like, four to five times a week. It was just behind the scenes. I was, like, really covering up a lot of, I think, just stress and anxiety of, one, the relationship not being the best, not being the healthiest relationship, not feeling supported. Mm-hmm. Um, two, fearful, like running a business, you know, like being responsible for my own income and and clients and all of that type of stuff. And, um, yeah, it was just – it's so crazy to think about, you know, a month before we actually separated. I thought I had a heart condition. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember just being so out of alignment with, like, who I really was that my heart was giving me signs that, like, something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I even remember telling him, too, because we were still together at the time, like, I think I have a heart condition. I think I have a heart condition. Like, to the point where there were times where I wanted to go to the hospital. Like, were you having, like, palpitations? Was it, like, pressure? Like, what was it? It was like – Or is it something it's hard to really describe? It's hard to describe, but it was definitely like palpitations like beating out of my chest mm-hmm. and and I I knew something was wrong. But again, it goes to like the self-sabotage, like the level of self-sabotage we go through. One, as women, I would say too, just to keep a connection going. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and just like, I mean, we talk about energy exchange and energy in general. And when you go to a place where it's supposed to be your home and you're mm-hmm. supposed to relax and, and feel at peace, you know, when you're sharing that space, when there's something off, especially, yeah, like alignment in general, like that's just it. And that was something with me that I realized in my relationship of just like coming to a home, you know, like not bashing on on, you know, my ex-husband at all, but there was just some energy that was off. And that's yeah. like when you really realize that, you know, something needs to to give because right. you're literally internally like suffering. Yeah. Like suffering. Well, and it's so crazy because, you know, you never know like when you're in it. Like hindsight mm-hmm. is so 2020 because it's so true. Like my energy has completely changed since like the relationship, like obviously, you know, I kind of go through months of what these past six months were. It was like, okay, kind of coming to realization in kind of end of January, February that this was serious and kind of having to work through like the five stages of grief, which Mm -hmm. is part of what kind of caused my, you know, my, I don't even know how to, yeah, my mental break. Yeah, exactly. Breakdown. That's exactly. And what's crazy about it is like I take full ownership of the mental breakdown, like to the point, like obviously I was hospitalized two times, which we can talk about that because I never thought that would happen to me. Of course. No. Right. Like I never, I didn't even realize I was going through a state of psychosis when I was in it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm just like a normal functioning woman in society. Yeah. And that's kind of part as to why, too, it's so important that we have these types of conversations because, one, it can happen to any of us. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that. But, two, it's like I think so much of it was – I think it was really heightened just by pressure. Mm-hmm. And not only just, like, pressure, obviously, that I put on myself, but, like, societal pressure and, like, what people will think. And oh, yeah. Just the way, like, that people were responding during that time was just so hurtful, right? Like, I was telling you, like, how many friends, like, that I thought were our couple friends, like, the women, right? Like, the the girlfriends and wives of, like, his friends, how they were just super unsupportive. They mm-hmm. were just, like, you know, like, I think I showed you some of the DMs. I even put those DMs on blast, remember? <laughs> oh, Yeah. When I was, like, in my calling out the bullshit phase because it's just (laughs) – I don't mean to laugh. No, I know. It's hilarious. Like, I just was in such savage mode at that point. Oh, yeah. I was scared. I I can't believe I made it through. (laughs) I know. Thank you for being there. I mean, I wouldn't have made it through without you and your friendship. But, again, it's, like, that's why these types of conversations are so important because for me as somebody who – genuinely from the bottom of my heart and you know this like all I care about is helping other women and Mm -hmm. like helping them you know live up to their full potential helping them be their best selves helping them get away from binge eating deprivation yo-yo dieting like all of the bullshit things that society feeds us of looking a certain way of being perfect of you know having to have the career needing to be the perfect housewife like all of these different things it's just crazy how I still went down that rabbit hole and how I, you know, and and just the way that the women were responding to me. Mm-hmm. It was like, kick me when I'm down, you yep. know? And, it, and what was really interesting about that is when you kind of 
come out of a relationship, you know, one that was toxic and it was toxic on both ends. Like, obviously, in hindsight, like, there were things that I could have worked on. I wanted to work on them had he given me an opportunity to. Um, But it's just crazy how there are two types of responses. Some people will either be like, congratulations, like, I'm happy that you're out of it. And some people will be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, show sympathy as if a man is all that women right. need to cater to. Right. Right. So I think it just really comes down to you now looking back, just realizing how much you weren't taking care of yourself. Right. You know, and I think that that's really what, you know, as a friend, I was just, I, you know, like I'm, I'm a nurse. I'm a Virgo. I'm crazy. You know, <laughs> like I definitely have right. that motherly instinct in me for sure with my, you know, close friends and obviously family. And so I was just picking up on things where you were definitely not getting the sleep that you needed, right? you know, and obviously you were struggling with your relationship, which you weren't really open with prior. So mm-hmm. you were probably internalizing so much of that, right? which explains the palpitations and probably lack of sleep too. You just, your mind couldn't, couldn't stop. And of course our body needs sleep. And so right. I really think, you know, just... A combination of everything was what kind of sent you into that. And I mean, as a friend on an outsider's view, and even as a nurse, you know, I see crazy stuff. I, you know, worked in the ED quite a bit. And what's the ED? Uh, sorry, emergency department. Okay. Yeah, yeah. ER. And so, you know, I would see a lot of, of stuff. And, you know, of course, as a nurse, you get kind of like, oh, you know, here comes the fucking crazy person, like whatever, you know, and so to be on the opposite side of it was just one of probably the most crazy experiences I've ever had, you know, just because I knew you beforehand. Right. And I would have never expected that to happen. But when when I was in it, it was just so clear that you just were having like this almost outer body experience that you had literally no control over. I really didn't. No, you didn't. And it was so clear. You know what I mean? Like it was so clear. It's not like, (laughs) like I knew. But again, it was the first time I had ever dealt with it. So it was also something different for me to go through to know what to do. Right. Um, Well, as you're saying that, and as we kind of talked about just like space and energy and all of that, and I think Honestly, for a really long time, I just didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. That's and the biggest thing I I think that I'm learning too is just to feel safe. And I think, yeah, like my with your partner, my you know? nervous system was just on overdrive mm-hmm. all the time because I was on high alert. You know, feeling like I had to defend myself constantly, just mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, what is he going to say that I'm going to need to have a rebuttal for, you know. And also with your business on social media exactly. and all the trolls that are on that end. Right. Like, I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And so, you know, I kind of go off of months because so basically, you know, we start we started to split up at the end of January, February. I think that's when you you had we kind of went to sushi. Uh, we were kind of taking like he went away for a week and then I went away for a week. And I think we went to sushi and I was still drinking pretty heavily then. I was mm-hmm. still I don't know. I was I think I had just stopped quitting the nicotine pens because I knew that I needed to stop that. That was also something that I was heavily addicted, got addicted to through his influence, I would say. Obviously, it's my own choices, but I know exactly when it started. Like mm-hmm. I know exactly it was like his friend's wedding in 2020 and it just transpired from there. Um but I had stopped hitting that, but I was again being really codependent on weed because I was trying to transition from smoking the nicotine. Mm -hmm. And then February was kind of like, okay, like, 
you know, the acceptance phase, but also like the bargaining phase of like the stages of grief, right? And the five stages of grief, again, are, well, acceptance is last, but it's like anger, anger, bargaining, denial, acceptance, and there's one more. Hold on, let me Google it. We should know this. Anger, denial, bargaining, acceptance, and... Depression. Depression, yeah. So I think I was definitely in a state of bargaining and denial in February, trying to, you know, not wanting to take ownership. Because again, it's like, you think, or at least I thought I was giving my all to a relationship that... We, I mean, we were engaged. Like, when mm-hmm. I said yes, like, that was something that I was committed to. Right. In hindsight, though, what's crazy is I – we were engaged for six months, and I didn't plan a single thing. Mm-hmm. I I had a not-stop registry, like the not-shop or something like that, one of those wedding things. I I'd signed up for it because I wanted to start looking at venues, but not – I didn't – it's not that I didn't want to marry him. I don't think that's what it was. We just weren't in a place where financially we were ready. And again, the emotional connection just wasn't there. Like there was still such, such a level of disrespect that I was so uncomfortable with. And I think, again, that goes back to me not feeling safe, mm-hmm. leading to the heart palpitations, leading to, you know, just the mania that I was in. And so, I know in March is kind of when everything, like he finally moved all his stuff out, like the first week of March. And I dove like headfirst into my business. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, I need to make up for lost time. I went on like a hiring spree. I hired like three assistant coaches, which ended up like crashing and burning. You know, I like, I don't know. I think that's kind of where it started too, was like trying. Yeah, you went headfirst and just put – I think, you know, looking back now too much at, you know, at once, but it was just what you did. Yeah. You you went into overdrive, basically. I did. I remember too, like I would be listening to voice notes and they weren't fast enough. Like my brain was just trying to process so much life. But not only that, again, it was like, okay, well now I have a dog Mm -hmm. that I'm responsible for. I still have clients that I'm responsible for. I still have my business, which I'm trying, you know, to keep running. I wasn't honestly trying to mend a broken heart. I was really trying to just... You were distracting. Ignoring it. Yeah. You know. And then again, the substance, I was still smoking weed pretty, pretty aggressively at that point because it was like my coping mechanism, you know, and... Mm -hmm. Then April is kind of when I had my big, you know, my first hospitalization. And what's crazy is it was so out of body and it was nothing that I could control. And it was like the universe was playing tricks on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were, you were questioning a lot. There was no, you had no trust in anyone. No, yeah. Yeah. Like even me, you were, yeah, you know, yeah. like starting to question stuff. And that's when I really knew I was like, that's when I knew something was like wrong. Was like when you were questioning like me, you know yeah. what I mean? Just because I know that we have that level of 
respect for one another that right. like that was really the triggering point where I was like, yeah, something's not, you know, something's not right. Well, and not only that too, it was like I like you said I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating. I got yeah. down to what 105 pounds. Mm-hmm. That's what I was when you took me the first time, right? Like Yeah. You had lost so much weight. Your blood pressure was like through the roof. Yeah. Heart rate was definitely in the, you know, high one teens and Well, and yeah, what's crazy? Yeah. It's like that was that was April. I was 105 and now again July, I'm 130 again. Wow. <laughs> like my healthy weight, which, you know, I think too, just talking about like beauty standards and weight gain and things like that. I think really the part of why I'm okay with that, well, kind of going off on a tangent is that's what's kind of fucked up too, is when I was not eating and when I was not taking care of myself, that's when people were like, you look really good. I'm like, yeah, if you only really knew the truth of mm-hmm. what's really going on. Of how I got there. Yeah. And then- you know, I think really part of the only reason I've been comfortable with this weight gain is because I'm used to it with having done the bikini competitions. The fluctuation, yeah. Yeah. So, like, seeing that number on the scale, like, seeing the 130s again, like, doesn't bother me because I – again, it's what I it's what I do. I right. do, you know, fitness nutrition coaches. I've been doing it for seven years now, you know, and so – I think that's part of why for my own journey, it was more of like the traumatic of the relationship as opposed to like what was going on in my body. But again, like it it makes sense as to why, you know, some women would tend to overeat or some women would lose weight or it's just, it's so much to process. Mm -hmm. So much. Because even after the first one, right? Like, and and that's the thing, I'm not suicidal. I'm not... You know, I think they they classified me as having like a mood disorder the first time. Well, what kind of got me there again is I was just processing life. And that's so much of when I lived in Park City, when I used to snowboard, I had done just so much law of attraction and manifesting and energy work and going to sweat lodges. And I had just done so much of that woo-woo type shit. You know, I love (laughs) the word (laughs) woo-woo. But I'm it, forever scarred of woo-woo. Woo-woo, I know. The jig is up. That was another thing. Oh, my oh, God, no. your face. Oh, my God. That, that will forever be traumatizing oh my for me. God. The jig is up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked for clarification so many times on that, and I got nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. It was – yeah, I was saying the jig is up for whatever reason during my – I feel like you were saying that my to mania. a lot of people, too. Yeah. Well, because again, like as I was going through this, so Super Bowl Sunday was really kind of the pivotal point of our breakup as well, because that was also the first time he didn't come home. And that was the first time that I really dove into my faith with God as opposed to like woo-woo energy manifestation. So I was like going to church consistently too between like February and – um you know, when I finally had my hospitalization at the beginning of April. And so it was like, I feel like both worlds were colliding yes. in my brain and playing like major tricks on me. Yeah. No, for sure. Which is fucking wild when you say it out loud. But like, what's insane about it is I still remember like 90% of the things that I did and said. And in those moments, it still makes sense to me. Wow. Like, 
it's just one of those things now where I look back and I'm like, that is what it is. Like, your bitch went batshit crazy. I'm still living. I'm still kicking. But how many people go through that and they just make that where, like, that that becomes their identity. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a large part of why I've been able to kind of, like, move on as fast as I have. Like, obviously, I had some really big downfalls, but it's just – I never allow things to, like, be my identity unless I choose it to be. hmm You know? hmm So that's kind of been my six months. Have we left anything out aside? Well, and then I moved. Mm-hmm. Then so, you moved out. Well, I, I had mean, my- You really did not feel safe or comfortable in that apartment. Like, you- uh, You thought it was, like, haunted or some shit. Dude, after he moved out- in the first week of March, and I call that until I moved out, like, in May, I call that my fucking purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was a hell for me. Mm-hmm. Because it had, one, so many memories. I had Rogue there, too, you know? And then, not only that, like, when I moved, which I'm now living with the most amazing gay man, with the most amazing backyard, and just... Literally. You know, it's it's just crazy the way that even that transpired and, and the universe kind of putting that goodness out there because Tony, my roommate, I've known who he was for the last four years too. Like he has seen me and my ex together, but we never actually talked mm-hmm. until pretty much close to like us until we got engaged and at the separation. And it just turned out that he bought a house and was needing a roommate and so that really worked out but yeah so then i moved and it's really just been trying to get life back on track mm-hmm. and understanding again what it's like to navigate this single life especially now that i've kind of semi dated i don't even fucking want to date though is is where i'm at and really diving into the self love and really mm-hmm. diving into working on myself because I don't want to repeat patterns. I don't want to ignore red flags ever again. Yep. But I think the other thing that I'm really struggling with is, I mean, I'm a Leo. Mm -hmm. You're a Virgo. You're on the Virgo cusp, but the attention. Mm -hmm. I think that's really the hardest thing. Well, and I think it's, I mean, you and I are different when it comes to men, for sure. I never really struggled too hard with codependency. Yeah. When I was in my 20s, I definitely lived my life. I was single for a good chunk of it, had my relationships. But, you know, as you get older, too, though, like, it's just within us to obviously seek partnership. I mean, to seek that, you know, life to begin with somebody. So I, I think that that's a part in it, too, of why we crave that attention right now, because of course, like as much as being single and working on ourselves is important, you know, we also in the back of our mind want that connection and we deserve that. But it's just important to realize that we have to be ready and we need to make sure that the people on the other side are ready because if not, then yeah, you're just going to repeat patterns and and it's not easy nowadays to to date, you know? You don't want to waste your time and energy on people that aren't ready to do the same and reciprocate it. And that's what we just need to remember and taking our power back. That's been our right. our saying of the week, which is so true and I think we feel it so heavily, but just being okay with ourselves, you know? Right. Because at the end of the day, that's all we got. It is. And all we got. You know, I go back to 
I mean, what you said, you said it so beautifully is like taking the power back, remembering who the fuck we are is, is really a big one because I know at least in the last four years of my relationship, I became so codependent because I didn't even think I had friends. Like I never really had friends before that relationship. And now thank God, like I do have my girlfriends, which has been such a blessing to be able to like, again, have people to talk to Mm -hmm. and just, you know, go out and have dinners and, and just be supported Mm -hmm. because support. Well, when you had mentioned, you know, like I was questioning everybody and I was questioning you when I was really going through it kind of back in like March, March, April, it was because again, like so many of the women who I thought were my friends, but were his friends were just so fucking shady, Mm -hmm. such bitches, you know, and it's like, they saw me, they saw us together, they saw how much I struggled, Mm -hmm. you know, it was pretty obvious that I was taking a lot of the brunt, you know, and like, driving all the time, like, drinking, you know, just we're drinking so much, like, and I was just being a people pleaser. And what's crazy is like, again, all I try to do is support other women and try to get them to rise above. And meanwhile, I'm in the dark in my own toxic relationship, not recognizing the sparkle that I'm getting, you know, dulled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just, again, like, friendships mean so much more now, too, and, like, connection, like you said, and just relationships. But what's one of the biggest things that I kind of notice now looking at relationships now that I'm not in one after having been in mm-hmm. one for the last 10 years of my life is how much people force a connection like yeah i know i forced it in the beginning of you know our four-year relationship again like i don't want to ever have to you know i don't want to ignore red flags again but how many of us do ignore those red flags how many of us so many put up with shit that we don't deserve and it's like why why do we allow men and connection and and all of that to cloud our cloud our judgment like cloud our our goals our happiness i mean really just yeah (laughs) yeah you can't ignore the red flags you definitely need to one thing that i've learned over these just past few months is just to trust your gut and your intuition i mean i have had experiences with that where i've you know felt things for a long time probably should have listened earlier but just within these past few months, I've learned how much that it's important to trust your intuition and gut. And I know at times it can't, it's not the easiest thing. Right. Because there's a lot of, you know, reasons as to why you might be questioning it and it might not be really, you know, appropriate for you to question it or whatever you're questioning. It might not even be a thing, but in your head it is. But regardless, it's just, yeah, you need to just like trust yourself and just know like you said, like who the fuck you are mm-hmm. and there's just no time for bullshit because right. everybody deserves the best versions of themselves right? and the best version of their partner. Of course, they're not going to be perfect. Right. Ideally, you find someone you can grow with and heal with and blah, blah, blah. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like in awe just of why. And while again, like when you sent me the Clarity and Connection book, it just gave me a different outlook in just the way that I communicate and the way that I see connection between people because, you know, I feel like when you're in your 20s, you just kind of latch on mm-hmm. because all you want is that Disney bullshit fairy tale, mm-hmm. right? And that's why, again, like 16 Candles and just – I mean, obviously, it's a great movie, but, you know, I feel like women at such a young age are told to be with a partner. Like, that's what that's what society wants almost. Right. Like Without really – like putting in the work to get to know them or yeah or anything like that you just kind of get into it and you kind of learn as you go and you know is that a healthy way to do it probably not but yeah like you said we're not really taught any other way and it's almost as i'm thinking about this it's almost generational and it's almost family because i remember i went recently down to my family's uh just a family party and you know, the, the what they're asking is, oh, are you seeing anybody? Mm-hmm. Like, are you dating anybody? It's like, that's the only thing that's ever talked about. Right. And so it's like, oh, you want to have somebody to bring to Christmas mm-hmm. dinner or whatever it is. I mean, I not that's not what I do in my family. But, you know, you want to bring somebody home. It's so, like, looked down upon in a way to not have someone there yeah. with you. You know, it's like, yeah. why are you dating? Are you going to get – and then if you're dating, why, when are you going to get married? And then if right. you're married, when are you going to have kids? And then right. it's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think now, like, being a millennial, being fucking 30, being about to be 31, it's like time for that narrative to change. Mm-hmm. Because that's not realistic anymore. It's not realistic. It's bullshit. And I just think about – you know, like the women who get stuck in relationships, they turn out to be, you know, bitter at 40, bitter at 50, you know, because they gave up so much of their life to pleasing a man who's probably a deadbeat piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And again, with all that pressure of, you know, like say someone does get married, then there's that pressure to have kids. And it's like, why not enjoy the marriage of the two of you get to know each other because that's the thing too people get married mm-hmm. and then they have kids right away mm-hmm. and then when you bring kids into it then you have that pressure to stay in a marriage where you're not happy mm-hmm. you know and it's like and then that's where the trauma begins right. because that's not where you know you're you're not happy right you know and of course this is a general thing obviously there are people that are happy and everything but for the most part and from what I've seen as a person in my – with my own two eyes, right. that's what happens. And then, you know, down the road, you just right. – you're miserable and you're like, I wish I could have done this. And, like, you don't want to ever live with regrets, you know? Right. Well, and I think, too, it's like I think a majority of us have seen more toxic relationships or mm-hmm. re- relationships that haven't worked out than loving ones. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm grateful, like, my parents are still together. They, I mean, in my family, they have, I have, I, all I've seen is, like, long-term relationships, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, long-term relationships like that breed codependency, which mm-hmm. is what I was in, a right. code, very codependent relationship. Right. Also, being an only child, that doesn't help either. No, for sure. You know, but it's just, like, so many different levels of self to uncover oh yeah right because i remember too it was like i had my 
boyfriend in high school he's like the first that you do everything with right and you're you're still even at that age like what i was 16 when i lost my virginity um (laughs) how old were you again i think i was 18 you're 18 yeah i was older okay well with the guy that i did like again you believe that oh this is going to be my forever person you're like (laughs) oh we're gonna have that like fairy tale you know like you want it to last forever yeah how naive (laughs) so naive and so you know one of the things that i think is it's creepy that this happened that we're both single at the same time now after you know kind of expressing what happened what our lives were like a year ago but it's like i i want to always give will continuously give myself grace for every moment of my life but it's like when you think back and you're like oh my god being single at 30 is like going to be terrible like you right. think it's literally taboo right <laughs> You're like, oh, my God, like, I should have, you know, two kids by now or three Mm -hmm. kids by now. And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, when did life stop at 25? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You know, it's like, oh, you need to be in your career. You need to be knowing exactly where you're going. Have the job. Have the husband. Have the car. Have the house by, Mm -hmm. like, what, 25? Yeah. And it's like, wait, no. Bitch, I'm 30. I'm ready to go fucking dance on tables. <laughs> 30, flirty, and thriving. I mean, hey, yeah. some people have said that the 30s are the best years of their lives. So we're embracing it. I think the best is yet to come. I ha- I really feel that. I have nothing else to hold on to. So, I got- <laughs> oh, so I'm so going it with it. Better be the, the best, best is yet to come. Hell, <laughs> oh, yes. Because, again, you know, it's like you never know what tomorrow will bring. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we tried recording this episode last week and I was fucking bawling my eyes yep. out. I knew the moment you walked in, I could just feel the energy was off. Yeah. And then this week feels so much better. I'm so glad we're finally recording our episode. <laughs> Me but too. I want to know, well, I feel like this has kind of turned into a whole like relationship episode, which I, I feel like it was important to kind of just lay all that out anyways, because it is a large part of why the podcast is so important to me. It's a really important to just talk about diet culture and just shifting diet culture in regards to, again, just one pressure with relationships, but then the pressure that we put on ourselves with fucking our bodies. Right. And to look good, to, to continuously look, look good. Yeah. And especially around here. I mean, especially in San Diego, I feel like right. there's just such a pressure to like look so good in a bikini because the weather's always so beautiful and you know, the guys have the six packs and it's like, who, of course, like when it comes down to it, it's healthy, right. you know, it's healthy to a point, to a point. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. But that pressure of just feeling not secure in your body because someone else is going to judge it. Right. Is the worst part of it all. Right. Yeah. And that's again, like on, you know, later episodes, I want to continue to talk about just shifting that mindset mm-hmm. that you need to have the shredded abs to be perfect because I'll tell you. When I was the sh- most shredded I've ever been in my life, I was also the most miserable and mm. I was nitpicking my body just mm. as much, if not more. Wow. Yeah. You know? Which is crazy, but, you know, that's, so, yeah. that's us. That's – But again, it's like as women, we go through so much shit. So, I mean, that's the purpose of why I started my business is so that way we're not feeling alone in these things. Right. And to tie it back again, I just want to say like – that's part of what led me down the rabbit hole of my mania was feeling just so alone mm-hmm. and isolated by 
women who I thought were supposed to be my friends. Yep. You know, and you were the only one that was really there to really support me during that time. Like I had a couple other girlfriends, like my, you know, my other girlfriend is still my good friend, but for the most part, like you were in the thick of it with me. Mm-hmm. And I so got you, girl. I want to transition into your time as a nurse, like what that has been like for you, your journey, like where you're from, like give <laughs> us the the tell down me, low. Tell a little bit about myself. Here. Yeah. So I've been a nurse since 2016. I'm originally from Rhode Island, so that's where, like, my career started. I lived in Rhode Island my whole life, pretty much. Okay, I shouldn't say whole life because I lived in Connecticut for 10 years, which was actually during my high school year. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I met, like, you know, my core group of friends, too. So that was definitely a very important part of my life. Um, moved around quite a bit within that uh time in my life of staying on the east coast but you know Rhode Island is my home and then in 2018 was when I met my husband at the time and we started you know traveling I started travel nursing I just did a local position in Rhode Island um well from Rhode Island to Boston and then after that like 10 months later I ended up moving to Colorado mm-hmm. with Brent and that was my first big real travel position because, you know, that was away from home. Mm-hmm. And then I came to San here, Diego. San Diego, in September of 2020, and I've been here okay. ever since. So I've been doing travel nursing now for about four years. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been amazing, honestly. I've been very blessed with where I've worked, what I've learned, what I've seen, right. who I've met. You know, but when it comes to nursing, it's definitely like just thinking about nursing school and what we're taught is so far from like, of course, we learn all of the basics and the important things that we do need. But really, you I mean, kind of just like anything you're you just don't know until you're in it. Right. Yeah. And when it comes to nursing, I mean, you know, and of course, it depends on where you work, like specifically like the hospital you work at, what kind of area it's in what level of care, blah, blah, blah. There's, you know, so much that goes into it. But um, there's just a lot that's not talked about when it comes to, like, you know, mental health Mm -hmm. of a nurse. And, like, I feel how much, like, kind of PTSD or trauma that, like, we just are expected to kind of, like, suppress, you know? Like, we are abused, like physically sometimes depending especially if you work in the emergency department mentally for sure because people you know because you're the nurse and they're the patient they can just say whatever they want right and so yeah I mean it's just it's crazy to be especially obviously after COVID this has been a totally (laughs) totally new thing for so many people right um definitely scary times and yeah, I feel like I could just go off on so many things with that, with COVID and, and, you know, being in healthcare, being in it, working in it, seeing everything, and then also having society on the outside, like mm-hmm. not believing in it and all of that. And just that put a lot of stress on nurses as well, because we're right. over here fighting, friggin' gowning up, sweating our asses off, seeing these patients super sick. And then on the outside world, there's there's these people that are like, fuck COVID, blah, blah, blah. Like, I totally get there's a, there's a middle ground because I definitely disagree with a lot that was said or pressured us right. into and whatever. But 
at the same time, I, I feel like COVID obviously burned so many nurses out. Right. Um, and physically and, and mentally just because of how like society is too. And of course, during those times, like, oh, we were the heroes, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, okay, like whatever, like nothing, yeah, you know, kind of happened. And well, yeah, yeah, it's just. That's society in general, though. It Anytime is. anything big happens, it's like, okay, cool, let's brush it under the rug yeah. and let's keep moving forward. But I think, too, that was a large part of why we started working together is because your schedule and just wanting to eat better and wanting to kind of get back on track, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, I've worked with a ton of nurses and it's just the constant, like you said, like the mental struggle that you guys go through that most people don't even think about. Mm-hmm. You well, know? we're taking care of everybody else and not right. taking care of ourselves. Exactly. Like, it's crazy to think about a lot of the times in the hospital, there were times when I'm like, I can't even remember the last time that I went to the doctors. And right. here I am working in a hospital. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, things like that of, yeah, just not prioritizing, you know, yourself. And right. putting so much effort into other people, which of course is why we went into the career or most of us chose that as a career because of the compassion and helping other people. Did you always want to be a nurse? You know, no, definitely wasn't that like, oh, as a kid, I want to be a nurse. You know, I definitely, when I was trying to choose my career going to college with that pressure that we're put on, you know, you turn 18, you gotta, you know, choose what you want to do for the rest of your life kind of thing. For me, like medicine always interested me and also like working with people. I was a waitress for six years previously. So Mm -hmm. I definitely feel there's a lot of waitresses that became nurses too, because we're still waitresses in the hospital too. Let me tell you. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) We're everything. I would love to honestly, like there'd be a documentary that just like put together days as a nurse, because truly I just don't think people understand even a quarter of it. But, but anyway, so yeah. So just between like medicine and and wanting to help people it's what made the most sense and then also like the stability of it too like I knew I would go I would get a degree as long as I passed all my tests I would like get hired and it was a you know it was a safe choice right um and I'm and I'm happy that I did it I'm I'm not burnt out like a lot of people already at my age or like point in their career are right but I also think travel nursing has like helped me tremendously because yeah. You know, I just have a lot more freedom. The money is is really good, so I feel at least like I'm being compensated, take, compensated well. for yeah. the work that I'm putting in and, you know, the freedom with it and obviously allowing to see the country, you know, and other hospitals and see how things work like it's helped on my journey of growth and and right. everything like that just because when you stay in one place, you know, it's like stagnant yeah. and you don't expand you know, much in certain ways. So, so yeah, that's kind of a little rundown of, um, my life as a nurse. I mean, obviously there's many more stories and everything to share, but that is, uh, the majority of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Cause again, it's like, so I have so many nurse clients, which is amazing, <laughs> but it's it's exactly what you said. Like so much goes into it, like in most jobs, right? Like so much goes into it that we don't recognize. But again, how much do we give to other people? So much. So but I much. think it's, it's as women, though, we do that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's like we said, like it can be the relationship, it can be the career, it can be the, you know, the child, the dog, whatever. It's like we're always giving so much to others and 
why do we have that? I feel like we always also have that guilt when we say no. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But that's when I think it also is important to even set boundaries within your work, you know, because for me, you know, I was in the flow position for two years at UCSD and Hillcrest. You know, we do have a pretty high homeless population, lots of drugs, meth especially. And, you know, these people come in and they're all sorts of fucked up. And so... You know, just setting boundaries because it's like, yes, I am the nurse. I am the right. professional. But at the same time, I'm only going to receive a certain, you know, right. level of disrespect. Right. And so, you know, for example, like one of the stories that sticks out to me the most was there was a homeless guy that I was taking care of. I walk in. Uh-huh. He's butt ass naked. Oh, my God. He's like all disoriented, just going crazy. And I was like. And mind you, this is at 7.30 in the morning, the beginning of my shift. Oh, my gosh. So this is when the East Coast just comes out, and I'm like, we are not going to do this. Oh, my God. We are not having this kind of a day. I'm here to help you. If you want to receive the help, we'll do it. If not, I'm not coming in this room to walk in on a naked person. Like, Oh, my gosh. And and it's just – but it's it feels good. And honestly, those patients, once you set those boundaries, right. that's when they change over and they're like, oh, right. shit, okay, right. like, I'm not going to fuck with her. <laughs> well, what's crazy is it's, like, just <clears throat> setting boundaries in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Because it's, like, you like you teach people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah. that's something, too, that I'm learning coming out that's of my really relationship. That's a really good way of saying it. You I know, like that. you've never yeah. heard that before. Mm-mm. Oh, well, I'm glad I could add to that. You yes. you taught me a fart in the wind today. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go, she tells me, like a fart in the wind. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could I could give you that one. But yeah, it's just boundaries in general. And again, what part of the why this podcast is so important to me is so we can just continue to have these conversations that are so real and so you know like I have to navigate them on my own like unless you were there to have the conversations with me right but Mm -hmm. it's like relearning what is taking back your power relearning setting boundaries relearning human connection and friendships and you know and and luckily I have at least like I said the experience with my own fitness and nutrition to be able to not have to worry about that aspect of my personal life, mm-hmm. but you know, that's why I do what I do is so that other people don't have to worry about that other uh, that as well. But it's just so much fucking pressure on women. Yep. And we don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what hurts me the most is, you know, I mean, I'm an oversharer. I'm an open book. We Same, know that. Man. Same. And I have just gotten to a level within my own journey where I am just so tired of the perfectionism. Like, I'm so tired of the highlight reels. I'm so tired of pretending like everything is okay. Meanwhile, like, on the inside, I'm wanting to Mm -hmm. fucking break down and cry like Mm -hmm. I did last week. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's almost like a level of maturity that I've noticed in regards to the women that I surround myself with. Again, going back to that is because – all I ever do is try to support women and try to lift them up and, and want them to see their, you know, their highest potential and mm-hmm. get out of the bullshit of like what social media says and get out of the bullshit of what society says. And yet, 
you know, again, when I was going through the breakup and just seeing that there's like two types of women, right? Like I said, there's two types of women who are either going to congratulate you on a breakup, knowing that it was toxic, knowing that it's for your better self, Mm -hmm. or there's going to be the other person that's going to say, oh my God, I'm so sorry, as if like the man is everything. But it's also getting to a level of taking ownership and understanding that like pride and ego aren't the way to go anymore. Right. And I think it's so much pride and ego as to why women, you know, try to wear I can do it all like a like a badge of honor as opposed to being vulnerable and open and just saying like today is just not my fucking day. Yeah. Yep. You know, or I think the biggest thing for me is like I've never been afraid to ask for help. Like so many people are just afraid to ask for help. But it's like, why? Right. Like I remember before I would ask the question, it's like, well, don't you like love helping people? Like nine times out of 10, people are gonna say, yeah, I love helping people. So then it's like, well, then why, why would you feel bad asking somebody for help? Right. Like that person probably loves helping you. Right. You know? And so it's just, I I think too, as I'm starting to be more aware of the connections in my life and the girlfriends that I have in my life, it's just like, who is actually going to be there to support me and lift me up versus who is going to be an energy suck and Mm want to stay small and just continue to gossip and continue to, you know, talk about the relationships and that and and as opposed to like career building Mm -hmm. and life and, you know, again, fucking societal pressures and all that shit. So, yep. Yeah. Life. Life is crazy. And we barely scratched the surface of everything, but yeah. Banter with Elise Borelli. There we go. Episode one. How are we feeling? I think I'm feeling pretty good. I think that was a good episode. I mean, yeah, there's just been so much that has happened within the year that we've known each other that even though we talked for an hour, it still <laughs> feels like so much to share. But luckily, you know, we have a podcast. And, I know. Uh, the conversations will just continue. Yay. More conversations, more getting women to level up. Mm-hmm. Having the vulnerable conversations, taking ownership of life is something that I, I think is super important as well as, you know, not being a, uh, not allowing your circumstance to dictate, you know, your attitude and things like that mm-hmm. and just positive mindsets. Mm-hmm. It all boils down to the mindset and being resilient enough to keep pushing forward. Yep. So, Yay. Thanks for listening to the Banter with Elise Borelli podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be grateful if you could share it with a girlfriend who needs this and leave a rating and review. Be sure to join the Banter Behind the Scenes Facebook group to join in on the conversation. And don't forget to head over to the EliseBorelliFit.com website to download your free BeFit Ultimate Lifestyle Toolkit, as well as check out all of the links and resources in the show notes. To catch all the latest from me, make sure to follow me over on Instagram at Elise underscore B fit. That's all for this episode. See you next time.